This Week in Startups is brought to you by Embroker. The Embroker Startup Insurance Program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off of traditional insurance today at Embroker.com slash twist. While you're there, get an extra 10% off by using offer code twist. Checkout.com. With Checkout.com, your business can innovate, adapt to your markets, and make smarter financial decisions faster. If your business takes payments online, you need Checkout.com. Learn more at Checkout.com slash twist. And our crowd helps you invest early in pre-IPO companies alongside professional VCs. If you're interested in investing, you can join our crowd for free at O-U-R-C-R-O-W-D dot com slash twist. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. You asked for a news roundtable. You asked for the Acquired FM boys to come back. Well, here they are. Ben Gilbert, David Rosenthal, in their fifth, sixth, seventh appearance. Who knows? They've been on the pod so many times now. If you don't know their podcast, it's acquired.fm. And of course, Ben is the co-founder of Pioneer Square Labs and the PSL Ventures Startup Studio VC Fund in Seattle. David Rosenthal is the co-host of Acquired.fm, and he does not wet his beak. He just, <laughs> oh. No, he does. He's an independent angel investor. That was he low. He likes to wet his beak and a startup advisor. When you advise a startup, what uh what uh, you get like 25 50 basis points what do you get a little chip chip there like i used to back in the day i, I usually mostly i'm angel investing these days uh sometimes i do invest a little and advise a little specifically i usually help on can help on fundraising rounds having been on the dark side as a vc right but you don't take a percentage no of the that. round you t- a percentage no. of the raise you, you just Oof. become an advisor for a no. year or two y- yeah no no time limit but when you do the advisor agreements, you use the Founder Institute one that's nice and clean where you put the scope of work and the duration and everything, or do you just do it on a no, handshake? How does it work? Uh, usually, usually most of what I'm doing is angel investing. So almost all of, I don't think I've ever been an advisor and not an investor. So I angel invest alongside. And then if I'm like being particularly helpful or helping on a specific oh, thing, I might give you like an extra founder basis say like, oh, points or something. Yeah, exactly. What's the typical ask for a seed stage company? 50 bips? 25 for bips? For advising? Oh, yeah. I, I don't ask at all. It's just like if the founder thinks I'm being helpful. Oh, they'll just give it to you. So you just say whatever. Uh, yeah. See, in my early days, I would uh, I would put in 10 to 25K and then ask for 25, 50 basis points and try to do some work. But then I you know, got a bigger chip stack and I started investing more. What's your typical ch- angel size, uh, David? 10, 20, 30K? 10, 20. Although I will admit, heard it here first time, I'm thinking about joining you well not joining you on AngelList because you you yeah. have your own platform now but yeah uh considering rolling fund syndicate so many options out there now yeah you should do a syndicate and um if you do a syndicate and you want to do it at the syndicate.com uh i don't want to compete with AngelList. i'm not really competing with AngelList, <laughs> but uh we've done so well with the syndicate now i have a problem i don't have enough inventory of companies and the i was just out of my staff meeting today the last four or five deals are all two or 300% oversubscribed because you typically have a small allocation, right? 500K, a million. Yep. And they're all coming in double, triple. It's really weird. Um, and then I looked at it and I was like, oh, we quadrupled the size of our syndicates, a 7,000 members now. 
and we're adding a hundred a week, week in and week out. So we're going to get to that ten thousand I set up as Jason, a goal. Jason, I can't hear you ago. over all this flexing. It's crazy. It's like it's, <laughs> oh, this weird distortion. <laughs> but here's the thing, Ben: should he do a rolling fund, or should he do just deal by deal carry, easy breezy syndicate? Which is a better thing in your mind, Ben? Because you and I both have funds. I have yeah. a fund and a syndicate. I'm curious when you look at it. Do you think these rolling funds make sense or not? Uh, I do think rolling funds make sense. Okay, why? Explain what a rolling fund is and explain to the audience why it makes sense. Well, I mean, there's a lot of nuance between the two, but the thing that makes a rolling fund to me as someone who's not doing either or contemplating either or more attractive is you get the capital commitment up front. You're not on a deal by deal basis going and rounding up, hey, who wants to do this one with me? I mean, frankly, it's the attractive thing about being a venture capitalist too, is where you know, you secure the capital, and then you get to decide the investment. And you can do that on a short timeline, rather yeah. than needing yeah. to go. I mean, and, we all know how these rounds are coming together. It's like, you know, even if you're even in cases where I'm working with the founder, helping them fundraise, orchestrate a process like it's, it's coming together in a week, you know, I, I'm worried about a syndicate coming together in that period of yeah. time. That is challenging. Yeah. See, that's where the fund plus syndicate works really well, because we can say, hey, we'll put 250 in from the fund, and we'll syndicate 500. And we kind of get the best of both worlds, you know what I'm saying? So you can kind of really. Um, well, and Jason, yeah, the way you have works. it set up too, where like, I mean, if you're this oversubscribed on deals, then syndicates work great too, because you're never sitting there waiting for weeks for right. somebody to commit for that last piece. You got a lot of demand. That's right. So if people don't get their paperwork in in time, the train leaves the station. We're not holding the train. There's 150 people on the train. We're not holding it for the 151st. But when I was starting, you are right. Ben, if we were at 50, and I need to get those last 10 for com.com in for 5k each to get that 50k and I would hold the train for them because I needed them. I yeah. needed to book those seats as it were, right? So it is interesting. Yeah, but the, the big game changer for all of this, though, is publicly soliciting, having this be on a incremental basis versus a 10 year life cycle fund like so those are two different unique things explain to the audience two who big are game neophytes. What do those two things mean? Practically speaking in plain English? Well, okay, so on the fund life cycle thing, let's take rolling funds. To me, this is huge. The ability to flex up and down on the size of the fund as needed. Like, you know, I've been, I worked at Madrona in past life, you know, big, long established VC firm, raised my own fund with a few partners, you know, $55 million fund. We had to go out, we had to go to institutional capital, yep. go to all these LPs, universities and the like. We had to put together 55 million bucks off the bat up front with the idea that that's going to last us a couple years of investing plus pro rata, get it all arranged up front. Well, then you hit market and like you don't know if you can deploy $55 million or $10 million or $200 million. Mm. Like, but it's all got to be set in stone up front before you know anything. Or if seed rounds double while you're out fundraising and suddenly your fund strategy that was predicated on a certain number of bets at a certain check size, oh my gosh, the whole world's different. Which is happening to us as we speak. And the <laughs> bets day. are in quarterly increments. So if you have a fund that is going to invest primary capital over three years and follow on over years, you know, four, five, six or whatever, you know, you got a certain window of time here. Here, it's quarterly. So I can make a 5k commitment, 20k a year, and I can skip as an LP. I could be like, you know what, David's doing a great job. I want to double. I feel like David's hot. I'm going to increase my bet size in Q2. Oh, I feel like David didn't send an update. I'm going to skip Q3 and said, him, hey, did I get an update? How's our business doing? And the, I don't want to say a short leash, 
but it does put I feel like the GP, especially a new one, you're, uh, you're not a new one, you're experienced. But for some of the new GPs out there, it does let the LPs keep them on a shorter leash, doesn't it? Well, it does. But also, you know, I mean, I think one of the things I certainly found raising a traditional first time fund is that you can think about your strategy all you want. But until the battle plan meets the enemy, <laughs> you know, right. it's hard to know. And so you don't you don't really know what is going to make sense for you as a strategy for a fund. Like mm. you hit the market with a large fund and it turns out it makes sense to do smaller check sizes instead. Well, you can't. Sorry. You know, or, or the opposite. So I think it gives LPs a chance. Well. A, it gives it democratizes access to who the LP class is. That's the next thing about publicly soliciting. But yeah, let's explain, Ben. What does it mean to publicly solicit versus what you and I do when we raise a fund? Yeah, so when you are going and uh, raising a traditional fund, and you're you're not only raising from you know just uh, accredited investors, but in fact qualified purchasers, and even more stringent um, requirement of you know, the level of, uh, I think the wording in the law is the level of sophistication of this investor, um, which frankly is bound uh, or t- tightly coupled to wealth. So people who already have a lot of money um, have access to invest in in traditional funds. And of course, institutions do. But individuals who are just looking to deploy a little bit here and there, um, maybe because they feel like the stock market's too hot, or there's uh, they don't want to pour it into local real estate, um, or their interest rates and their savings account aren't doing anything. So hey, maybe it'd be kind of fun to, um, to get into startups, which could be a high yielding asset class if you invest in the right manager or the right startups. But of course, with traditional funds, uh, that is not currently something you can do. However, with rolling funds, uh, not only can um, you know the the everyone sort of invest, which I think is true. Correct me if I'm wrong, David. But you can actually ask be an for accredited it investor. But the but the requirements for that are yeah, much so lower. Here's the nuance: you can be a you can publicly solicit, but they still have to be accredited. But then they you have to do a higher level of verification, which. I think a sure fund management and angel list, both of those services will do that for you. They charge 50 bucks, I think. And they just have to have an accountant or an, an attorney, I believe. People can look this up or fact check it. They need to look at the bank statement or a letter from the person saying, okay, this seems legit. And there's somebody whose CPA or legal, you know, degree is on the line for saying this is an accredited investor. Now, if you, and these fall under the 506B and 506, 6C offering rules, I believe, by the SEC. And so the innovation for the rolling funds was, hey, you the LPs make commitments, limited partners make commitments quarterly, and they can change them, which you can't do in a regular fund. You you pick for a regular fund, I'm going to be in for Ben's fund or Jason's fund for 250K. You can't yep. say you can't change them. 5K this quarter, 10K this quarter, whatever. But then the public solicitation is really amazing. Yeah. You say, hey, I'm raising. Yeah. And I'm always raising. Yeah, and so well, ben, this is a game. Are you a little jelly of David? Are you a little jelly of David there? That he can go public solicit. <laughs> well, I mean, I Jason, you figured this out before anybody, right? For folks like like you, yeah. you know, like us that you know, have a platform of you know whatever size yeah. a following, like it. Uh, this is completely game changing. You know, the percentage of our of acquired listeners who are institutional LPs of the sophistication, size, accreditation that would make sense to invest in a traditional fund yeah. is. 0.01%. You know, the percentage of LP of listeners to our shows that are accredited investors have the sophistication, knowledge, desire, willingness to invest in funds, but mm. don't meet those requirements is, I don't know, 10%, 15%, yeah. 20%. Yeah. 
orders of magnitude more. Yeah, it's pretty dope. And you know, the, the, the unfortunate thing is we hit critical mass. And we don't need to do public solicitation. Now we don't need any more LPs. And so now that we're on the other side of it, it's like, I would like to do a public solicitation and allow more people to know about it. But I can't, because we've already hit critical mass, we already have these funds. So now I'm do you have a maximum commitment size? You know, you you can do ten million dollars and up to two hundred fifty people. I think in this process, I think is the limit, and we don't hit that. So, I mean, the lar- we just hit our largest deal ever for the syndicate, and it was three point seven million, three point two from the syndicate, five hundred from our fund. And wow! Just, so you're a like million. a you're a legit, you know, f- check size firm. Series A, it's like a Series yeah. A firm. Yeah. So we we started as a syndicate doing seed, and now we're literally doing million dollar two million dollar three million dollar thing so it, it can incredible. happen but it has to be a pretty robust company all right when we get back from this quick break uh now that we've talked shop and warm the audience up something crazy happened imaginary money is worth a lot of real money bitcoin <laughs> has broken fifty thousand dollars it's not a bubble is it a bubble is it not a bubble ben and david will tell us should you put all of your money into bitcoin or not when we get back from this quick break Every startup needs business insurance, and you should look no further than Embroker, E-M-B-R-O-K-E-R. If you don't have insurance, you failed one of the first steps of being a world-class founder. Embroker's technology saves you time and money. Prices are up to 20% lower, and you're going to get better coverage than the incumbents provide. You go from sign up to quote and purchase in 10 minutes. And when you work with a broker instead of business insurance incumbents, you're not dealing with large, slow corporations. And the process is completely transparent. There's no opaque pricing. Nope, you're just going to get it done really easy. And there are really four types of insurance you need to have for your startup. Cyber insurance, in case you get hacked. D and O insurance, you've heard of this, directors and officers. That's if you know somebody does something dumb and you get sued. You want the board of directors and the officers of the company to have lawyers and protection. And E and O, that's errors and omissions. I know about this one because I ran magazines. This will help you scale because all of your major customers are going to ask you to have E and O in order to close a deal. And finally, there's EPL, employment practices liability. This covers harassment, wrongful termination, and more. So get these things dialed in. It's a really easy process. I just want you to go to embroker.com slash twist, E-M-B-R-O-K-E-R.com slash twist in broker.com slash twist and while you're there you'll get 10 percent off using the offer code twist and it's already great prices so thanks again to Embroker. go ahead and check out in broker.com slash twist okay we're back ben we have a lot of listeners david we have a lot of listeners on the line they have liquidated all of their equities they've got a ton of <laughs> stock they're in their coinbase accounts they got grandma's 401k their entire net worth in 401k into bitcoin should they do it yes or no ben go wow Something, something, something. This is not investment advice. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And yeah. also, I, I like the question that you we get our lawyer with. on the line. Exactly. <laughs> I, I like the question that you went to commercial with, which is, is this a bubble? And uh, David and I spent like an ungodly amount of time researching Bitcoin uh, for a massive episode that we did in, in January. And uh, which is our it's crazy. It's like our already our biggest acquired episode ever by like 25 percent. It's a month old. Yeah. If you yeah. talk about imaginary money, you get ratings for sure, people, especially when it's, it's like, going up. 
It's like tweeting, like, do you have Google Wave invites? Like, you just get all these people, like, spam following you for uh, for a decade thereafter. Anyway, do you have a Clubhouse the, invite? The, the most interesting sort of realization that I had, and this is thanks to the, the Paradigm folks, um, was, yeah, of course it's a bubble. All money is a bubble. It's just a really, really long one. And this was mm. like a, an interesting heads up for me where if you're buying a stock, and let's not talk about the stock market today, but talk about the stock market a decade ago. You're buying something that represents the intrinsic value of the underlying asset. It's all the future profits that that company's going to make. Well, if I'm buying Bitcoin, like, or I'm buying a US dollar, there is zero underlying value. The The entire value is in the scarcity value. And the fact that somebody else believes that it's worth the same thing or more than I am. So it, it makes it worth holding. And of course, the US dollar has been, what, for 50 years off of the gold system. So it's been uh, in uh, no intrinsic value, sort of uh, exclusively a bubble ever since then. Bitcoin, of course, is the same thing. We've just seen these rapid, you know, boom and bust cycles. At the end of doing this whole episode where I came down, I am so much more excited about Bitcoin than I was going into it. Like I, I, I absolutely get how it and why it will be uh, a long-term store of value. Do I think it's an effective currency? Absolutely not. But it does seem that the world um, has kind of moved on to that, uh, moved away from that, and is really thinking about Bitcoin specifically much more as, "Hey, this is digital gold," um, and I'm on board with that. It's currently at a market cap of $974 billion. There's literally a <laughs> trillion dollars. It's basically like an Apple a couple of years ago. Is the half value. An apple. It's half an Apple now, but it was a full Apple just a yeah. year ago. <laughs> literally for something that doesn't exist in the world, except for some servers, mining, some hash. Wait, wait, I, I want to make a point though. That this is uh, one thing that I, I really tried to land on the episode. I, I hope we got across yeah, it's not totally that it's nothing. So a Bitcoin is the reward for doing work to verify the robustness okay. of the system. Like it's it's like it's like you get paid for it. It's like you know you go to work at a bank. You're you're working at a bank. You're you're working at the Fed. Like you mm. get paid uh, for the work that you're doing. Okay, the miners. So every Bitcoin came from getting paid for that. Yes, from doing busy work. <laughs> It's like literally somebody wrote on a for piece of verifying paper the times, integrity. I will not steal of all the other transactions. It's literally I will not steal. It's that so somebody you know somebody can't go into your Coinbase account and take all your all, all your right. Bitcoin. But just to put a to put a yeah a, a pin in this, it's worth more. Bitcoin is now collectively worth more than Facebook, and people use Facebook and Instagram all day long. It it doesn't make any sense that it's worth all this, or does it? I I I. I understand it hasn't been hacked yet. So I think for me, the fact that it hasn't been hacked and it's a store of value is a miracle. The fact that there's a trillion dollars on a computer network owned by nobody. That's what the work, that's what the busy work that these people are doing. That's what you think there are people that aren't trying that to steal to this money. Amazing. Like shouldn't have been hacked. Like aren't there Russians? A lot of it's I mean, been hacked. I mean, well, well, yeah, Bitcoin, the thing that, uh, you know, never has been stolen or compromised. Well, or it's lost. been stolen on the ends, but it, the, the, I'm talking about the network itself. Yeah, the, not system. the integrity of the system. Yeah. yeah. The integrity of the system with a trillion dollars at stake now, you would think that some state sponsored actor, China, Russia, pick a person who's got resources they must be trying like heck to figure out a way to siphon off this value and of course they maybe are. they're doing it in some ways i don't know no we'd know if they were here's the thing about zero day exploits either 
they would have done it already, or they perceive it to be way more valuable in the future. And so, so you're saying the there could be a zero day all. exploit in Bitcoin. Sure, <gasps> sure. I mean, there's there could be a zero day exploit in in iOS. But it's all Mac open source, right? Like, it's all the code base is all known. Who, why why does that make that means a lot of people have looked over it and no one's caught a bug but like mm. a, absolutely someone could have a zero day vulnerability oh. exploited and they're just deciding wow. how to break that's it. fascinating then they would also be long bitcoin oh, they'd ben, be betting wow. on it being worth more in the future so yeah For as sure. long as the hackers are long we should Maybe be long they too put that zero in there and they know this is another conspiracy there what if there is an exploit in there that lets them predict where it's going or have some back-end control of it so they could make it go down, buy, make it go up, sell, make it go down, buy, make it go up, sell. <laughs> and they could just keep pumping and dumping in some way. This oh, is a some, crazy Somebody's paying for order flow in Bitcoin. No, too soon. Too exactly. soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, there could be some weird um, bug in there. It, it is completely crazy. And I mean, the hardest part about this is having to listen to Pomp and all these other people be insufferable <laughs> that it's going to 250K. And... I have exposure to have this. Have you had the Wickle, Wickle Boss twins on the show? No, please go. Oh, no. you got to have them on. Oh, oh they're, they're very brutal. compelling. They're brutal. <laughs> I just, it's hard to like just even look at them without seeing the social network and you've had them on the show. No, but we talked about them a bunch in this episode. Did you know are, that are they, they dopey? Are they, they seem dopey. They're so smart. They took are the they really? Facebook settlement in stock. Everybody was like, take the cash, take the oh, cash, they take the cash. All right, they took it, it in stock. They turned. That's got to burn. That's got to burn oh, for sure. Zuckerberg like crazy that they, they still took own stock like 45 in million in equity, turned that into 300 million in the IPO, put a whole bunch of that in Bitcoin uh, and <gasps> right, made so like several smart. billion. They're savvy at least. I just find them insufferably insufferable. <laughs> it's, a, it's really the but, fact that there's two of them and they're really yeah. tall. That's the thing I find so insufferable. It's like two centers from the end. It'd be like if there was two Shaquille. They were the genetically they're engineered. To, and they're amazing investors with a track record. Like I, It's too know. much. It, <laughs> the whole thing is too much for me. So let's just put it at this. When we look at the bubble, somebody is going to get tagged here. So it looks like Elon bought $1.5 billion through Coinbase. Wait, through Coinbase? Made, yeah, Coinbase Prime Brokerage. Coinbase has a that. primary... Like they have a VIP program where I guess they work with people to build large positions. They did it in a week for him, according to a headline I read. Yeah, it's a prime brokerage, just like a prime brokerage uh, that a bank would have. And, and it only took him a week to build the billion and a half dollar position. That was the thing I found fascinating. So I think what probably happened was they said, listen, we've got a buyer here who wants to buy a big chunk. That's good for everybody. Do people want to let this person in to the club? Um, or maybe they just, you know, maybe that's why it went from 35 to 50 is. Or when when it went from thirty to forty, was that hmm. buying going on? They've made six hundred million now in profits. Wild. I, I mean, the way Tesla is a treasury like, asset. Like it's it's like the, the, I mean, we in some ways we should say, oh, look at all this profit that they're making. But you know, like th that's not the the goal there. At least you you would hope that that's not what sort of the CFO of Tesla is looking at this as. This is like a a store of value, not an investment. Well, I mean, if he chipped off. A hundred million a quarter and put it into building gigafactories, he would be taking virtual imaginary money and making a real world factory out of it. Do you have a business that accepts purchases or orders online? I bet you do. You're listening to This Week at Startups. And if so, have you ever had a digital transaction not go through? Of course, the answer is yes. So that's called a false decline in the industry. That's an industry term a false decline. And this is what happens when an online purchase is declined 
but it should have been accepted. How frustrating is that? You're right there. You have the ability. It's a layup. You're going to put the ball in the basket, but no, you missed the shot. And this is often the result of technical, financial, or fraud scoring reasons. Well, last year, wait for this. U.S., U.K., French, and German false declines were over $20 billion with a B dollars, according to our friends at Checkout.com. Go visit Checkout.com, and you will see how you can resolve this issue. It's a total no-brainer. Here's my associate press uh, doing a free test account at Checkout.com slash twist. So if you go to Checkout.com slash twist, they're going to give you a free account, and you get to see Checkout's amazing dashboard. And see here how easy it is to deploy a Checkout.com payment gateway onto, let's say, a Squarespace website, a beautiful Squarespace website. There it is. Boom. Checkout is crucial for growing companies. They're going to allow you to get that granular understanding of how cash flows in and out of your business, and they're trusted by brands like Samsung and Adidas and many more. Go ahead and check out Checkout.com slash twist. I guess the question here at the end of the day is... You know, when we look at the stock overall stock market, when you look at the stimulus that's been pumped in, when you look at people having these huge treasuries, are we able to say definitively that we're in a bubble in terms of the cycle, right? We we had a down market in 2008 all the way to now. We had this little crazy blip during the start of the pandemic that very quickly recovered. So I guess we had a crash, but it I recovered mean, so quickly. <laughs> I remember calling for a bubble in 2015, and we're still on that same bull run. I'm actually super curious what will, if you want us to answer the question, we won't back out and answer the question, but I'm very curious. I want to know your opinion from, you've lived through a bunch of cycles. This feels bubbly to me when people are doing irrational things. So that for me is the sign when people think they can't lose, that's when I get worried. So when people are just not thinking about their bets or not using judgment. So I'll give a couple examples that made me nervous previously. During the dot-com era, I was filling my gas tank and the person recognized me from the magazine who was literally pumping my gas and was talking about his pets.com and e-toys and other stock money that he was making and that he wanted to start a company. And I just thought, well, um, it's great that things are democratized, but this is a little bit weird that the guy pumping gas is also trading these stocks. So I do get a little concerned about the stonks effect, which I would parallel those two. And then people not questioning valuations in the private market. I've seen that happen a number of times. That also gets weird. So, you know, having a company that, and you've probably had this experience right now, and you see it in yeah, VC wild. culture on Twitter, where people are talking about their markups. So I'm watching first time fund managers talk about their 5x, 4x, I won't say the name of the well, woman, Jason, they're fundraising. Anyway, there's a woman who is effervescent on Twitter, <laughs> I wouldn't say her name. Because oh, wait, 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 we gotta, I, I, don't, I haven't, if, if it's come you know out, I haven't seen about. it. Beep, we gotta put this beep. to rest. All right, Jason, are you the the mad genius behind VC brags? No, of course not. Of course not. No. <sighs> I mean, they basically have been DMing me since the beginning, thanking me for having a sense of humor when they made fun of me. Oh, it's so I, good. I, I love loved it. I was like, this VC is the greatest brags. marketing ever. So I was loving the marketing. But, you know, watching people who are first time fund managers talk about their markups, you know, and then, you know, I'm friends with Bill Gurley on the other side. And, you know, I'm playing cards with Bill and, you know, having a heart to heart with him. And he's like, well, you can't eat you know, those yeah. unrealized TBPI. games. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's just, you know, you, you know it's that's, not he told me once, uh, 
uh, when I was, I mean, I'm still a whippersnapper, but when I was a real whippersnapper, uh, we, uh, we met through the, uh, Rover and dog vacay merger and all that. He, uh, he told me once, he's like, yeah, it's, it's real easy to write the checks in venture real, real hard to cash the checks. I mean, and so that's the, where I'm getting nervous. And then sometimes I see a company that we passed on investing at a $20 million valuation because they had 500 K in revenue. And I was like, you know what? 40 times revenue. This doesn't seem like something that works for me because I, I do want to be able to exit and get a return for people. So we'll, we'll, we'll pass. And I had to stop telling people we we're passing based on valuation because it was creating too many bad feelings with the Y Combinator cohorts who were just really running up their valuations and it made no logical sense. And so that is another thing that gets my blinking warning light going off is I'm watching other VC funds put money into Clubhouse at a billion with 5 million downloads. Now, listen, I know it's a breakout, but they're paying Jason, $200. We came on your show when they raised at a hundred million val valuation. Like, I think that, that didn't was make sense e either. I mean, <laughs> I would have made that bet. I would have made the bet at a hundred, but that didn't make much sense either. But does it make now, sense now? A billion, think, it makes no sense. Do you think the company is worth a hundred million now? Well, let's just talk logically. 5 million people using it or 5 million downloads was the last I heard. But it might be growing, you know, we don't know the growth rate. So if the 5 million number that got quoted last month is now 20 million, 20 million, and it's doubling every month, I don't know, you know, who knows what the doubling rate is. But let's just say it gets to, in order to be worth, what is a Facebook user valued at? Facebook has 3 billion users and they're valued at a billion? Yeah, uh, let's like see. Like seven, eight hundred million, I think, or billion. Yeah, so they're valued. I know their 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 U.S. users are super valuable. Their U.S. users are like over a hundred dollars. I think. Yeah. 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 They wait. Wait. Facebook is um three billion users, and uh, let's uh, let's make it easy. Let's say they're nine hundred billion market cap, which is yeah, uh, they're a little less, but then that yeah. would be uh, three hundred bucks a user, right? Three billion times nine hundred is thirty dollars a user. You're right. Yeah. $30 uh, a user. So wait, no, I, I think it's 300. 300? Three, th there's 3 billion users and 900 billion market cap. It's a little less. Than oh, they're not over a trillion yet. Got it. Okay. Yeah. 3 billion. It's all, it's all billions. So I think you just divide 900 by three. $300. Okay. I do know that Facebook's US ARPU is $147 a year. Damn. Internationally, it's like an order of magnitude less, but I do think Clubhouse is mostly domestic. So w would you value wow. Clubhouse users at $150 a year? I mean, uh, there's zero ad load. So hmm. it's all about potential future value. Yeah, I mean, potentially, if people paid 10 bucks, a, if some people paid for a pro account for 10 bucks a month, it could be. If yeah, they have I mean, come on, these are just strategic like valuations, though. Right. Like this is this is people but, are playing. I mean, like look at um, look at Snap, right? Or or Twitter? Like it's it's super hard to build the monetization on the uh, engine on the back end of a social network. Like um, there's value in the users. There's a lot of value for sure. If they can monetize them, right. yeah. There's really only two organizations that have built a social that have built attention based monetization advertising systems at scale: Facebook and Google. Nobody yes. else has done it at scale. So let's assume they do it and they have 20 million people right now. And let's say they get to $100 a person. Is it possible? Yeah. It's sort of a silly way. This is the wrong way to value this company, to, yes. or at least to answer the question, is a billion dollars high or low? The answer is a billion dollars is either way too high or way too low. 
Um, we don't know which yet. It might be way too high and the whole thing goes bust and they never figure out how to like, really, they're going to get a billion dollars of future cash flows out of this thing that that may never happen. Um, but it could but also be let's answer low. that when we get back. How would you monetize clubhouse in order to fill in the valuation and make the investment decision? If you were if you did have the opportunity, let's phrase the question. If we all had the opportunity to invest at the billion dollars, how would we justify it in terms of the business model? And what business model would we need to see deployed in revenue to make that happen when we get back on the swing startups? Do you ever wish you invested early in some of the best performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020? Well, our crowd investors did invest early in many of those awesome IPOs with our crowd accredited investors can invest directly and easily in startups early before they IPO or get bought. Our crowd investors have benefited from companies IPOing like Beyond Meat, what an amazing company. And some of the companies have been acquired by buyers like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Accredited investors can participate in single company deals for as little as $10,000 or one of our crowd's funds for as little as $50,000. Today, you can join our crowd's investment in Nano Lock Security, N-A-N-O Lock Security, a company that is offering IoT cyber protection, including billions of low-end devices that other technologies cannot protect. NanoLock is the only device level protection that has both near zero power requirements and is operating system agnostic. I recently wet my beak and placed a little bet there on Cyabra, which is a company that uses AI to uncover disinformation and expose fake news on social media. I made a little investment through our crowd, easy breezy, and you can uh, evaluate these deals for free just by opening an R crowd account. You go to ourcrowd.com slash twist, ourcrowd.com slash twist. Very easy, and you'll get in early on NanoLock or other unique opportunities at rcrowd.com slash twist. All right, welcome back to this week in startups. The acquired FM boys are here. Ben and David go to acquired.fm and there's a hundred dollars you can spend on the uh, LP show and where they go super in debt debt and they're going into debt doing it. It's just causing them just <laughs> really expensive to produce. They're losing money on it. So oh, please, please subscribe us. for a hundred bucks and help them stem the losses. But it's really, really a great. Talking product. to the internet is so much, there's so much marginal cost in there. All right. If there was a revenue model, what would the revenue model be, David? Advertising, subscription, merch. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I think that I, I, both virtual I mean, currency. Like, I, yeah, I think you got to do. Um, I think you do. You do what Twitch is is doing. Of advertising is probably the the biggest. You know, look traditional media. We just did a three hour episode of the New York Times. Uh, we do tons of media businesses. Like media businesses, the rule of thumb is. You make two thirds to three quarters of your money from advertising and one third to a quarter from circulation, subscription, whatever you want to call it. That's what, that's what they should do here. I think that's what Twitch does. Make a lot of money from advertising and then you got tipping and subscription to would, individual what channels. What would ads even be like on Clubhouse? Would it be like when I go into a room, it plays an ad first before I'm allowed to go in? That would be super annoying. I don't think they should start with ads. I think the first experiment I would run is around something like Twitch Bits, have a virtual currency system that you, you know, in-app purchase to pay into, and then you can allocate those uh, among creators. It's almost like you could do medium claps, but the people actually get money out of them. So you could imagine someone, you know, going on a, a, a 
you know, a diatribe or a monologue or however you want to, you want to phrase it and the room, you know, compensating them for making a really great point. And they I, take I, a spread on that. They take 30% of it. Just yeah. like Roblox, just like Twitch. Yeah. You should also do, they should also do paid subscription rooms. Just like we have a paid subscription podcast, the LP show. That would uh, be very interesting. Now I've heard Paul talk about like, Hey, if Kevin Hart wanted to do a show, he could have a thousand fans for 20 bucks, make $20,000 sitting in his backyard, just riffing new material, or Chappelle does it for a 100 bucks gets a 1000 people makes a $100,000, never has to turn their camera on, never has to go to makeup, just like literally in the hot tub pay to go to the comedy club, like, and they split that with the performers. Same deal here. But but look, we we got into this conversation because of valuation. I just want to make the point that like, any sort of um, multiple of current users or uh, valuing it based on, hey, well, this other social network is able to make X dollars off of them. So with this current user number or, or trying to do anything that even looks remotely like a discounted cash flow, the right way to value this is say, oh my gosh, this is one of the rare set of opportunities to create the next Facebook, Google type company. We now know that the market caps of those companies can be in the $2 trillion range. And so you just say like, wow, this is my chance to get a rare ticket onto one of these. This company's growing as fast as Facebook was in its early days. And yeah. companies don't do yeah. that. And so yeah, like, that's it's, the it's, it's already hitting that escape velocity thing. And you gotta, you're just making a bet that the founders are going to figure out how to retain and do, do monetization well. But it's like a... Do you guys, let me ask a crazy question. You guys think... Uh, have you seen Twitter spaces pop up in your top app yet? I have. Okay. And uh, have you seen it, David? I have not. No. Okay. I've seen it and I'm seeing it now every day. I see it 50% of the time. And today for the first time, I saw two or three going on at the same time. I also talked to the Twitter spaces person by DM and they're going to put me on it. But they specifically Ooh, said, nice. we want to put you on it. You're on our list. But you have 400,000 followers, we, we are, we're limiting it to people with like under 200 or something, because they don't want to break it. But I looked at it. And I have to say, it's much more compelling to be on Twitter. Yeah, I agree. And then when the, the real dynamic that's incredible is you click on somebody's profile, you go to their profile, and it minimizes the audio to the bottom. And then I'm reading your tweets. And then I go to my replies, and I'm looking at my replies and trending topics and doom scrolling. <laughs> while listening are you still doom scrolling post trump a little bit We're I, still I, in I, COVID, I do, you I mean, know what i kind of delight scroll now i delight scroll oh, like watching the impeachment and watching biden do 2.2 million shots in a day i've given up doom scrolling i just delight scroll all night all right so jason all that behavior that you just yeah. described is literally exactly what i do on clubhouse the app still works great in the background the only thing that's sure. hard is for myself for t- me to take myself off of mute I will say the way that I've thought about the delineation between Clubhouse and Twitter Spaces right now is for Twitter Spaces, it it is only in the top bar for the people who are following me. So it is an opportunity to have a real-time live audio discussion with people that are already in my top of funnel as a creator. When you're on Clubhouse, there's way more opportunity to get exposure to people who aren't already in your ecosystem. So to me right now, at least, and, and if... Twitter stays with the same mechanic, then Clubhouse will actually be a much better place to go and cultivate more exposure, whereas Twitter will be a better place mm-hmm. to sort of uh, deepen mm-hmm. an existing relationship. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I love the feature of Twitter now where I could say people I 
people I mention or people I follow can reply to certain tweets. And I use that sometimes when I just don't want to deal with trolls and whatnot. And I think that's going to be the powerful one. I want to be able to set up a room and say, people I follow can join this or people who follow me already can join this. And I think that's going to be really powerful. But I would not go over to Clubhouse, I don't think if Twitter was working, because I've already got a NatScale network over here. So I think that's going to be really interesting what the competitors do. I still think Clubhouse wins as the dedicated one. But if you look at stories didn't there's many more stories being consumed and shared on facebook and instagram than on snapchat the originator of that idea yep is that true so, I, I assume it's true yeah yeah ju I'm, just because instagram has such a broader reach i mean it ultimately was a grow the pie thing it was a win-win for everyone because snapchat's doing better than ever instagram i mean it, it provided the new growth engine for instagram when they were starting to taper off but still, it could be true here too. I mean, my point is now with these at scale services, the at scale yeah. service can duplicate it and beat the original. I think yep. is the kind of thing. The well, other thing as I a noticed, creator, you right? Like your 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 biggest fear. I mean, like every Facebook played this out for everybody. Everybody lives in fear of like, oh, I go on a platform, I create an audience, and then you you gate me from my audience. Like, if you to the, you feel confident, you've built a four hundred thousand person following on Twitter. You know, you feel pretty good. Twitter's not going to algorithmically gate you from them. You're still going to be yeah. able to reach them. You don't know what Clubhouse is going to do. That's so. the key. Because I got blocked on Clubhouse because I sent a bunch of people to report these MLM scammers. And I was like, <laughs> here's all these people selling <laughs> yeah, that's coaching. That's a crazy sub story on Clubhouse too of like all, these, all the MLM oh stuff. Oh, God. Going. It's so weird. Have you been in one of those rooms and listened to these people? Like JT I Fox? I don't want to mention names. But there's like a JT Fox character who if you type JT Fox scam or JT Fox reviews, he's kind of like a, I don't know, somebody said to me, he was like a poor man's Tony Robbins or something. And they sell these coaching things and they have these crazy bios. And they were doing all of this like really hardcore coaching or telling people they were gonna get seven or eight figures. And then all these people reported back to me that they charge 10 to $20,000. I don't know if JT does or other people do to be in a coaching session with them for 10 weeks or something on Facebook. <laughs> this is like all those people that make money by teaching you how to run a really good Amazon third party seller business. And Basically, like, yes. Yeah, or, or how to start a Shopify site. And then yeah, it's the same. And, and they, they're like, I've started 200 seven figure, eight figure, nine figure businesses. So <laughs> I went on stage, and they called me up. And I said, which one of those businesses can we look at right now and, and use and they're like, Oh, there's so many I was like, Well, which one's the number one one that's made the most money or you're most proud of? And they kicked me out of the room. <laughs> so then I came back to the room. And MC Hammer was there. And he he's friendly with me. And he put me back on the stage. I said, and the woman's like, well, here's how you do it. You do an $8,000 course, but then you tell people when you're on the phone with them that you'll give it to them for four. And then you tell them as long as they tell their friends about it and give you a testimonial, and then you build trust with them. And she was literally teaching people how to convince people to take courses on creating more courses. <laughs> it was really weird. Dude. That's really where the money is. It's turtles all the way down. It's basically turtles all the way down. Wait, can we, so, so wait, we got to Clubhouse because we were talking about bubbles and we got to bubbles because right. we were talking about Bitcoin. Can I pop us back up a little bit? Yeah, pop us back up a level. All right. So I think you were originally asking the question around is, is, um, tell me about this Bitcoin bubble, Elon and everyone just piled in. Are they going to have the bottom drop out on them? And we, we started talking about, um, this macro. That's an interesting question. I didn't even consider Ben. Oh, well, then I misinterpreted it in the first place, but I don't know. No, but he it. just, no, you made a point that's really interesting, Ben. What happens to Tesla? 
if Bitcoin goes back down to 5,000 and they lose whatever that is, 80% of the bet and they lose a billion dollars. Yeah. Well, the first thing to know is that Tesla raised $12 billion in equity offerings last year. They did three different, uh, effectively, uh, they're like IPOs. They they basically said, hey, you can buy a bunch of new stock today, not from existing shareholders, but you can buy them from us, the company. And the price went up each time. More shares. Which actually makes sense. I, I I would defend that, but yeah. So, okay, there, there, there's this great, Jason, I'll link you so you can put this up here. Um, there's this, this great graph that Bloomberg did of um, equity offerings done by Tesla over the years. Basically, always sort of zero billion, one billion, maybe two billion. And then in 2020, they did $12 billion of equity offerings. So, of course, they should do that because people were bidding up their stock. They now have this, you could call it overpriced, you could call it very highly valued currency in their stock. Fully valued is the term of art, I think now. Fully fully valued. valued. When you go on CNBC, you can say the market is fully valued. That's great. I'll take an intro to to CNBC whenever you're ready. And I will tell them how fully valued GME is. So (laughs) 2020, they they, they do the responsible thing that you should do as a CEO of fiduciary responsibility. They are like, hey, this is a great fundraising opportunity. Our stock is really high that we should do this. So they do it. They get 12 billion of cash on the balance sheet. It's now up closer to to 20 billion because the business is it's great. It's making money. And so of course, they put some of that in Bitcoin. So in some ways, it's like, well, if it all I'm not going to quite make the argument that like, oh, it's all house money anyway. So if it all goes to zero, it all goes to zero. But it is Bitcoin that has been bought by very shortly after converted equity value from the company, which is is sort of it's like you kind of have to wrap your mind around that. But I don't think I mean, we're at this point where it feels like enough institutions, enough financial institutions, public companies, Square, Cash, um, there's insurance companies that are doing it are plowing into Bitcoin, where you're not looking around and seeing like a bunch of internet cowboys looking at you and being like, yeah, Bitcoin, you're seeing like robust financial institutions looking at you and being like, we are participating in this monetary ecosystem. And so Mm. sure, the price is going to go down maybe dramatically. But there's enough sort of stability to find a relatively high bottom at this point, Mm. or at least that's sort of um, how I think about it. Because there's a bunch of institutional uh, sort of like support support that's a great way to put it yeah i mean i think that was the thing that when i saw elon buy that big position i was like even if i didn't believe in it before there's a certain manifest destiny here where if enough people buy into this it is that but now he could also clear his position that's what currency is baby yeah but what if he clears his position he decides you know what i'm just going to take the profits and i want to be in u.s currency again then what happens because lord knows they uh, move the market you know, they, they piled in by the time they announced here, they're already up 600 million. So David, should we all put our money in Bitcoin? Yes or no? Go ahead, David. <laughs> should we all would you put honestly, our money? Let me ask you a question, yes. David. Here's, yes. here's how I'll phrase it. We should all have some exposure to Bitcoin. Everybody should have some exposure. Yes. If a sibling came to you, and let's just say, or a cousin, whatever, they're just a blue collar average person, you know, they've got kid, two kids, a mortgage, whatever. And they say, you know, I got 100K in my 401K. I got, you know, two or 300K in the house. So I put my net worth at a half million dollars. I want to put 50K into Bitcoin, 10%. Do you say, what do you say? Wait, that's 50, 50K of net worth is half a million, but liquidity of 100K. What do you say to them? They say, I love crypto. I'd say that's, like a, I would say that that's like maybe at the edge of, okay, but I think that's okay. 
Wow. For what's what not investment advice. Personally, I have about 15% of my net worth in mostly Bitcoin, some, some either, a couple uh, small positions in other crypto. What would you do, Ben, in the same situation? Your cousin, brother, sister, uncle comes to you and says, I want to put 10% of my net worth in this. Th- that level of exposure feels a little high to me, but um, yeah. what I would definitely say is divide it into five chunks. You want to put 50K in, great. Put 10K into 10 different piles in your mental buckets and then wait for Bitcoin to drop a certain amount, like dollar cost average it in. So every time the value of Bitcoin falls 5%, go buy 2K or, or what, what, 10K, you know, and think about you know, buying mini dips along the way and it, you may get screwed mm. and, you know, it may be at 100K by the time you put your fifth tranche in, but you may also save yourself a huge headache and, and sort of danger on the way down. That's the thing I'm wondering here is, does this have escape velocity now like Clubhouse? And do does it ever go back down, right? Because now I mean, these re- guys are saying 250, 500K. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. But I didn't, when, when it was trading at three or four, 5,000, I was like, be careful, people. Like this could go to zero. <laughs> It's greed versus fear, baby. I mean, it's like, and fear and uh, fear happens fast and appetite for risk evaporates very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I think um, where the early people who were piling in, if it starts plummeting, might look at and go, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta realize my gains. I gotta get my money out, which of course causes the the theoretical bank run. The later players that are in are, are institutional. I mean, they're in it for a long term. They have a thesis. Um, there's a re- yes. they're, they're, they're hedging they're against big cash blocks. in a way, right? Like they think to cash get back is to gonna go down. How I would advise a non-tech savvy relative. I think the first question before you decide on percentage allocation is what are your forecasted liquidity needs for the next X number? Don't of need years? anything for 20 years. You know, yeah. four well, years old. And that's a case. I'm yeah, retiring sure. in 25. I need a little bit for my kids' college, but not 10, 15, 20%. Sounds great. We have, for the first time, a new feature. This new feature we're going to do is called. Mount Rushmore of tech CEOs. And we're doing this in a snake draft. I don't play fantasy football, but I do know what makes for a great CEO of a tech company. We are going to pick our Mount Rushmore's, but we're doing it based upon a snake draft. What that means is David gets to go first. We did this according to net worth. Um, David's <laughs> going to go first. We, we, we did it according to allocation we, into Bitcoin. Asset, assets yeah. under management. <laughs> uh, so David goes first. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not joking. Kind of, so anyway, David's going to no, pick we're, first. we're doing reverse assets under management. Rever- oh, here we go. Yes. Uh, so David is first, then Ben, and then J-Cal goes as the third pick. But because it's a snake draft, first is David, second is Ben, third is J-Cal, fourth is J-Cal, fifth is Ben. ben. Six is David. So David gets the first and sixth. I get the third and fourth. Ben gets the second and the fifth. So theoretically, this should equal out. So David, we have a list. And then when we get to our Mount Rushmore's, we're going to let the audience decide who picked the best four, who's got the best Mount Rushmore. Whoever wins is going to get a Cybertruck. Okay, here we go. Oh, yeah. You're not just picking Ben on market cap. I know how Ben thinks. If it's already big, it's going to get bigger. There's no bubble. Everything goes up. Stonks <laughs> go up. Bitcoin goes up. Ben's just, he just, just momentum trading all day long. All day long. You're going to pick from the goats. And not only are you going to pick from the goats, 
we also have a pool of candidates who would be best described as the next generation or the up and comers. So we have a list here. While Jason's pulling up his list, uh, I think we need to discuss agree, agree as a group on what the criteria are for okay. like, like our, cause I, I think that I could think of three different criteria to, to qualify for being on Mount Rushmore. They're most as want to invest in. Well, so I was thinking most want to invest in like, Oh, how good are you as a capital allocator? Okay. Do I, I've, I've invested in you. I feel good that you're going to compound my capital over a long period of time. Got it. Okay. That's one. Are we going to keep that's this one. in the show? We're going to keep this in the show, right? Our debate. I sure hope so. This is sure. Keep this in the yeah. show. Okay. So you, how, how are people going to grade our performance? Yeah. So you believe David, how good they are. If you were going to give them a billion dollars, would they deploy it and get a great return? I like that. That's a good yeah. way to do it. Okay. Will you get me 30% plus IRRs over a decade plus? Love it. Okay. That's one. Uh, second criteria completely different would you want to work for them it may okay, even so be some uh, anti-correlation and then you went with culture yeah like how good a leader are you okay yeah people want to work for you okay talent that they draw talent okay so we got the scoreboard on returns we got are they a great culture leader do you people want to work for them okay and i think maybe maybe i would submit for consideration by the group a third uh criteria which is how good for society slash the world is oh my Lord. what they're doing. Jesus, Boring. who cares about that? We just... <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Dude, we're talking about Mount Rushmore here. It got weaker and weaker. <laughs> it's like scoreboard, then how good do they make it, the players around them, and then how well, good are they It's just a society? very different... I actually, I love the third. It's just a very no, different, like, I don't know how it's to, hard. I don't know how to factor. I don't know how you weight these things, you know, because they, in some ways, run We're literally talking about carbon directions. faces in stone here. You gotta wait. Then. <laughs> That's true. Which okay, we, we, we could, we I, could I kill like number three. I general one. Ben, do you have anything you would tweak about no, that? No, Rosenthal's good at these criteria. He came up with the ones pretty for good our, uh, best acquisitions of all time. And um, that was, that was good. All right. It's a good set. I like, I like it. I, I think I can go with it. I think I can roll with that. I mean, I do think, Another one is if you put them in charge of another famous company, how would they do with it? Mm-hmm. So oh. the, okay. I, if you were going to put them in charge of Disney, yeah, translatable Apple, performance, Amazon, who would run it better than Cook, Iger, or Bezos? There's There's been a bunch of studies done on this. I can't remember what book it was in, but the, one of the sort of hot... Good to grade, books. built to last yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Where like, and they they tested it outside of tech too. That one of the examples mm-hmm. was like, so you take a surgeon out of an ER and you put them in a different hospital's ER, and they go from like zero fatalities over five years to like ten fatalities that year. Really? And like, it, it, all investment banking was another one. You take even this IC Ooh. analyst and you move them to a different team, even though there it's a pretty individual sport and way worse. So it's it's. I think people always overestimate how transferable talent is between organizations hmm. all right here we go so we're going to okay. pick from the goat pool two from the goat and then two from the futures pool futures being people we think will be incredible going forward goats being they've already established themselves you can Great. but you don't have to do two and then two you could do one 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 oh, one yeah. or two two you pick how you want to go so there is a little strategy here david I love this Pick your first All right. choice. I'm going first. Non, uh, not surprising, non-controversial, but I totally believe it. The recently retired Jeff oh, Bezos. God, taking damn, him. Damn, with my first so pick, obvious. he's he's the Le- he's the LeBron. He's the LeBron Amazing. or the Jordan. All right, 
Well, you said or the Jordan. Yeah. Uh, so okay, that means there's two. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. What do you think, that, Ben? You're up next. You're up next. Uh, hmm. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Hmm. Remember, I picked two. I'm going to go and I'm going to steal David's number two because he stole my number one. And I'm going to go Pony Ma from Tencent. Oh, damn it. Wow. That is kind of... Explain your thinking there. Tencent is an absolute juggernaut. And it is not just because they are the owner of WeChat that has 1.2 billion users. They are invested in like every successful Chinese sort of unicorn next generation company, not every, but a a tremendous amount, like five to 10% positions in these companies and tons of US companies, Tesla, um, Riot Games, David, what am I missing here? Epic. Snap. Certainly Mm. by by criteria number one of capital allocation. It's a pretty crazy one. Um, Now I get to pick two. This gets really interesting here because I could just take the top two of the futures pool right off the table right now. You could, but will you? However, this is a pretty easy decision for me. Looking at it, as great as Larry Page did and as much success as Zuckerberg had, Zuckerberg, I think, is on the downward trajectory. And I don't think he ever made anything in his life that was unique to him. I don't think he's a creator. I think he's a a thief. I think he's good at copying shit. So I would never include him in my Mount Rushmore. I think he's a disgraciad. Larry Page is brilliant, but he got out of the game. Where's Larry Page? Nobody knows where Larry Page is. Sir could argue, though, that that was brilliant. Right. He's not in front of Congress, which is awesome. Deal with Congress, yeah. (laughs) That's brilliant, but I don't think these guys are in the game. Now, Bob Iger, we both know. Did a great job pulling together the Disney assets, but he's a suit who did a good shepherding. What I think is important is your ability to make transcendent products in the world. And the huge mistake that you guys made is that you left. And this is why I'm going to win the Mount Rushmore. It's because you too got cute. You got cute. You picked Bezos, an obvious choice. Yeah, I know where you're going. But he's out of the game. And then you went with a wild card, Ben. And you didn't know I was going to pick up two. And I am picking up Steve Jobs, who made the most beautiful product in the history of all products, the iPhone. Literally the most important product in humanity in the last hundred years is the iPhone. And you too got cute and you did not give Steve Jobs proper respect and he's on my Mount Rushmore now. And boy, do you two look silly because now I'm taking Elon Musk off the table who is not 50 years old yet. He's not even 50. And he's he's in the goat and the future. So you guys got cute. You thought you'd, you know, use your little chess moves, try to pin me down with a little bishop queen pin and then you left you left for me musk and jobs this is like me taking steph curry ahead of the knicks at number seven i now have on my mount rushmore on either side steve jobs and elon musk Please try and catch up. You got the Splash Brothers. Oh, that, that Musk pick. That that hurts. That hurts. Uh, Go ahead, was, Ben. See if you can oof. salvage your Mount Rushmore, which is crumbling before our very eyes. One thing on How Musk before we, 
we got to we got to give credit to Musk. Not only Tesla, not only SpaceX, PayPal too. Like this guy has hit Come the on, trifecta, man. and he's Come not on, even man. fifty years and old. What if boring company or the thing in your brain works? I mean, Jesus, come on! And what if Starlink spins out and becomes worth a hundred billion? I mean, that's a possibility too. Ooh, it should not spin out, but it is an amazing business line. Okay, boys. Right now, you're feeling pretty dejected and defeated. Go ahead, Ben. See if you can salvage <laughs> your Mount Rushmore. You got two picks in a row. You can't just sit here with us each having only one pick you in our could have picked. You could have picked either of those two. You and two I could have taken those off the board, and you didn't. Uh, so you're saying if you had the next 20 years to bet on, you don't think it's wise to bet on China? Listen, we're talking about Mount Rushmore here. <laughs> you, you're right now all of a sudden regretting your life decisions, Ben, and you have the next pick. You're on the clock. All right. So let's just see if you can salvage this. Because I, I like a wild card. The crowd went crazy when you picked that wild card. We just don't know if that's going to make you lose the Cybertruck. Which right now I'm thinking about putting the Cybertruck on because I just ran the table on you two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Come on, boys. Well, try to salvage this. Go ahead, Ben. Uh, so I'm a little bit afraid that your your audience, like me, is too young to have seen the dominance of this CEO in his heyday. Okay. But I'm picking Bill Gates. Of course. And I don't just want to talk about, you know, the, the fact that, um, mm. you know, Microsoft has, has become top three most valuable companies in the world or the fact that not only did he make over $100 billion personally, that he's giving it all away. I think the thing that is important to talk about here is the discovery I don't know if it's an invention mm -hmm. or just a discovery of the greatest business model in the world, which is software, like platforms. I, I, I think that had Bill Gates weathered the internet, he would have been my number one pick. Um, oh, but he didn't, he didn't, man, I mean, software over the internet is the true best business model of all time. But Hmm. the world's riches were flown in on 747s to Redmond, Washington to buy copies of Windows and Office for decades. Unbelievable, yeah. It, and it, uh, I mean, truly, truly pioneering. David, we have to give him some props because you said also good for humanity. I think we have to take his philanthropic yeah. efforts and we have to put them equally up there. So it does make the Bezos selection and the Bill Gates uh, selections even more powerful because what if they do in the nonprofit sector if Bezos does what Bill Gates did, because I, I mean, if you were to argue, D Ben, Gates's post Microsoft impact on the world versus pre uh, you know, during Microsoft, it, that's got to be a jump ball now, right? I think his 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 impact on the world is greater with the foundation. Yeah. Hmm. All right, this is getting a little heated here. I, th I think uh, the but yeah, Bezos is the, the the book is not done on Bezos. I no. think either at Amazon or in the rest of his life. Oh, you think he could come back? You think it's a round trip? Oh, no, I don't think he comes back as a CEO. I think oh he will God, just continue to exert back? influence on what Amazon. If he's taking a break. He still owns like 20% of the company or 10% uh, after his divorce. What if Bezos is taking a break? What if he's just burnt out and wants to take a five-year sabbatical? What if he comes back at 62? I never thought about it. Has anybody even brought that up, Ben? The possibility that he would come back? You're saying come back to Amazon or come back with something new? I didn't even think about him starting Amazon 2.0 or starting another company and being an entrepreneur. That's crazy to even think about. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine he would be an entrepreneur again. I mean, I think he's going to pile kind of hard behind. to do, right? Yeah, but but maybe with his focus on on Blue, I mean, you could imagine Blue Origin becoming a, a you SpaceX know SpaceX contemporary. Yeah, David, you're 
back on the clock here. Ooh, and, and I have two picks I think this right time. Right now, you've you're all, you've got a strong anchor in Jeff Bezos. Are you going to go with the goats? Or are you going to go with the futures pool now? Because this mm, is a really I'm good decision. I'm tempted by the futures pool here. I know. Got I some good. Tell. I'm watching you scan down here. on the Notion page. I see you're looking down, not up. I know. You're probably I know. scrolling down right now, looking at Toby from Shopify or Daniel Eck from Spotify. All right, I'm, I'm going to be controversial. Uh, this has gotten a little, a little tense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ratchet it up a little bit here. Uh-oh. Here we go. Okay. Taking Chamath with my You're second pick. I'm taking him off the board. <laughs> You're taking my I'm my taking boy? your bestie. You took my bestie? Oh. You just came at us so hard with God, Jobs and Elon there. I was going to introduce a my... rule that he wasn't allowed to take uh, Chamath, so I'm glad you took him off the table before I had to that introduce gonna that. That was going to be my... Mm. I was going to be my little chip there, getting Chamath on my wall. So now you got Chamath. Yeah, partially, of course, to tweak Jason is, is why I did that. But uh, it was pretty good. News. But okay, you know, look, Chamath. Oh, I mean, back on the clock for a double. We can't like his calls. You can't argue with the track record over the past no, ten years. Track record so strong. Yeah, and he's so young. Uh, I mean, he's not he's not fifty yet either. I mean, and look clearly, at abs, you get to pick a second one. You're doubled up here. <laughs> okay. While we're on the Chamath subject, uh, Jason, this is probably a pretty good time for us to say, Dave and I were talking about, uh, about this beforehand. You have built something awesome in All In. Like, I get Aww. so much entertainment and, and like, 100%. true value out of listening. Like, from the, the minute the theme song hits all the way till the end, it Watch is like... <laughs> It's amazing. Oh, when the theme I mean, song you know, comes back in, that's just, oh, it's so good. Honestly, it's my favorite podcast right now. Like, you Aww. guys are crushing it. Boys. I, we know how hard it is in this Shout game. Out like, you Shout out Young Spielberg. Can't give you enough props. You guys are oh, thanks. doing uh, you great. Know, the, I don't know what you guys thought of the GME episode. I'm sorry, the Vlad episode, but it was very polarizing. And I have to say, it, it literally, the drama, we, I, I'm going to say this. Wait, I mean, the, the episode where you were just hyping your whole, your own book the whole time or no? Well, I mean, I'm defending my guy, <laughs> which of course is my role, but I, I thought I laid back. I get and the let sense loyalty it, is important. They didn't want to go for the jugular. They were, people wanted blood, right? Like I think literally the GME, Wall Street Bets people wanted Shamoth to say you should go to jail to him. And it, I think the, it's very hard to do that on the phone with somebody when you're interviewing them. And I think it, I don't know if interviews are the right thing for us to do on the pod i'll be totally mm -hmm. honest hmm. How, although you draymond, like draymond was great yeah yeah the surprise call-in is pretty good yeah okay you could go with call-ins but not like hard Full interview. interviews and we can tell you too as as a dual co-host team it's hard for us to interview one person i can't imagine four people trying no, to it like, it's work. just it is crowded yeah so anyway that was the big debate to go behind the scenes but thank you mm. for that it's uh yeah I well honestly just like the things. four of you you guys have such a good flow agreed yeah it, it's it it definitely falls into the category of try things like chamath said yeah. i want to do a podcast with you and i was like okay sure and um this is after kara swisher and jim bankoff will deny this over at vox but <laughs> kara swisher's like number one and number two choices was not professor galloway <laughs> it was chamath or me whoa and so oh, they couldn't get kill me here kara and jason they couldn't get me in Chamath, so they went with Professor G. And you see how Kara struggles with him. I mean, to <laughs> well, I mean, his if you compare the Chamath's portfolio, um, amazing the capital G. allocation over the past ten years, which is mostly why I put him on my Mount Rushmore, secondarily to tweak you. But yeah. uh, I thought with, you went to work with Prof G. It's oof, oof, that's that's rough. We should make 
Okay, I got it. For our next hit together, boys, we're going to do the anti-Mount Rushmore. The four worst capital allocators, the four worst people. (laughs) And then we could really get gnarly. Oh, that's going to be fun. Man, oh my God. The worst in tech. Which is kind of weird because I'll be on that list. (laughs) Most people would put me on that list. Well, the question is, what's the biggest company ever to go to zero and who is at the helm? Oh my Lord. Well, I mean- Was it Enron- yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, with Theranos, but that pretty wasn't, horrible. That yeah. was nothing. Would that you was, put what, crimes $10 billion? on there or just people who are bad? No, I think I think bad capital, like Mount Rushmore right? is destroying value. Like Theranos was a fraud. Yes. Like it's just, it didn't, there was no but value. Never it, destroy, value. it did get to a, no, it got to unicorn status. So they did destroy that. The people yeah, but that's the money just destroying it. money. It's not like there was something great it's and like, Elizabeth it's like Holmes Bitcoin. like killed it. Yeah, it's imaginary value. A cheap version of Bitcoin. Okay, let's keep going. David. Another choice. Ooh, okay. Next pick. Shout out Professor Coltakes. Oh, not proud. So to many Coltakes. Oh, so <laughs> ice, ice cold. I just came, oh, I was so in Texas cold. during this craziness. I literally just got off a plane a couple hours ago. So really? Oh, so you're saying be, Prof G went to Texas and caused that ice storm? He went to Texas. Storm? It was, I spent last night with no water, no heat in 20 degrees. This was, is what happens when Prof G. That's Prof G. Visit Prof G. Went to Texas with his cold takes. Go ahead, David. Ooh, okay. Uh, You're doing I'm good now. I think Bezos Chamath is a surprisingly compelling Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to, I'm really, I'm swinging around totally different style, taking Andy Grove as my next pick. Oh, wow. Ben, look at Ben. So dejected. <laughs> ben. Well, I'm just looking. I'm, now you're easy to beat. Like, oh, okay. Come Ooh. at me. Ooh. Oh, Ooh, how's Intel boys. doing now, David? Did, that Did stand I just the crack the, the Andy Grove has been dead since like uh, <laughs> I think it's the 2002 end of or something. Are you guys breaking up? The real up? measure of a CEO is how the institution survives you, which why, you know, my pick of Bill Gates is clearly wildly superior based on the succession plan. Okay, it didn't survive him too well immediately after he left. Whereas Andy <laughs> Grove, he left dividends. Intel and that thing Bomb kept going despite boneheaded decisions for a long, long, long time. <laughs> But Bomber did print money. You have to, I look at Bomber and Tim Cook as like, they just extracted all the value of the previous person's vision. Oh, you got to give Tim Cook more credit they than just, that. They just ring it out. Tim Cook's like, you know what? Let's <laughs> you take realize your AirPods plug. alone is a Fortune 500 company, which was launched with Tim Cook. All right, that's uh, the, one, the Apple Watch the alone. It's an accessory. The Apple Watch, watch is, is exactly the same way. Also a Fortune 500 company. If also garbage. Garbage product. AirPods, great product. Watch. Oh, you don't like Apple Watch? You have to charge that thing every day. It doesn't work. What do do you have the Do you have the latest ones? No, but I'm thinking about trying it again. I tried. Oh, I got the I got the first, SE. I did the it's third, great. and now it's up to six. I probably should try again. Get the SE if you don't like, unless you want the always on screen. Which you know, I, know, I actually view that as a bug, not a feature. I don't want to know what the time is all the time. Uh, the SE, it's great. It's cheap. Battery lasts a long time. Get sleep tracking. Oh. It's great. But it doesn't give you the other stuff like you're having a heart attack. Okay. No, but uh, if you're worried about At having a heart attack. advanced age, I need yeah. the one that tells me if I'm having no, a heart attack because, you know, with with, <laughs> with this Robin Hood IPO, it's going one or two directions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I need that heart attack. Oh. My God, is that company going You need out? life alert. <laughs> I need a life alert. I've fallen <laughs> and, I, and my stock can't get up. I think it's going to be a tremendous one. But okay, here we go. Ben, you're back on the clock. You've got your Bill Gates and Pony Ma. 
very controversial second pick, but a very solid fifth pick, I will say. Gates was going to be on, would have been on my short list if Steve Jobs or Elon weren't available. Uh, but go ahead. What do you got, Ben? Because now you're going to futures pool. Correct. Yeah, I'm. I'm in the. Uh, I'm in the emerging managers category for our capital <laughs> allocation. Yes, I am going to move out of the world of pure bits and into the world of atoms here a little bit, and I'm going to go Katrina Lake oh, from Stitch Fix. Damn it! God Strong damn pick. it! You guys just did two of my picks. That was going to be my final two. Yes. I was going to do Chamath and Katrina. God damn you, you guys! A, Tell me you why. You got to have a draft board strategy. I knew she'd started so strong and now I'm just getting you guys are running the table now late in the game. Why Katrina from Stitch Fix? Because obviously it's an $8 billion company. It's a fraction of the size of some of the other emerging because we have on the emerging board. We also have Airbnb. We also have Stripe. We also have Shopify. I mean, we got a lot going on here. So one, this is an $8 billion company that Mm -hmm. a year ago was a one and a half billion dollar company. So you got to have some ROIC credit here as a, um, you know, as someone managing capital and, and just doing an unbelievable job compounding base, compounding the base, building value, getting the shareholders excited. I think this company is like perfectly positioned to just explode out mm. of COVID. And I think that the weathering the storm that the way that they have, and then the way that all of us are going to go finally buy new clothes. And we've completely forgotten how to do that and show up to an office. I know. Cause we, the three of us, people don't know this, but we got a Coachella house together and we all need outfits. Oh yeah, we're doing this live. We're doing it live. We're actually we're in person right live. now. At, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Although so yellow I, I right tell now. You guys, Jason, I, I know you want to be back with people. I was just on two packed planes. It's, it's awful. It's, it's, it's the most wait. terrifying thing I've ever done I can't wait to go life. to Tokyo with a packed plane. I can't wait to go to Shinjuku Station, go to Kyoto. I want to go everywhere. Oh, I'm got people with masks down around their like, chin. Right. It's awful. So now it's on me. You know, built to last is a big part of this. I think you got to be built to last. You know, Jeff Lawson at Twilio, he's young and he's been buying up assets. Great Seattle really CEO. Yeah, really interesting. Um, Bumble joining this pack out of nowhere. That's an interesting one. Uh, Hot out of the gates and a $9 billion valuation just after IPO. And you got to wonder, like, my God, she she was one of the co-founders of Tinder, right? And she kind of got, well, like literally harassed there, according to reports. Unbelievable story of overcoming adversity to be one of the most wildly successful. Pretty great, right? Yeah. yeah, so that she's yep. a great pick. But, you know, when you start looking at the top of this list, you know, there's a couple of businesses that I think are truly unique. And Zoom isn't one of them. Zoom is great. Ooh. Hot fire. Ooh. But that product itself, you know, he went, he came from where WebEx or GoToMeeting or something. He came from one of those places and he built a better Both. version. I, I appreciate that. It's, it's certainly a big company and the company of the moment. But I like you're very really, you're going heavy on product here. You got jobs, you got Musk. I, I just think product is how I made product. all my money, Ben. If I mm. if I, I bet on the product. And so, I, you know, I'm a, I am a creature of my previous success. And I think I'm going to narrow it down now because I have two picks and I'm going to be done. When I look at the unique products on the list, Shopify, Spotify, and um, Airbnb are very unique products that did not exist in the world before those people went after them. And so those are the three I'm narrowing down from. This is very hard. 
because all three of those are incredible. All three founders, incredible. E-commerce is just getting started, but then so is audio and so is Airbnb. Let's be honest. I've had Shopify on the pod. I've had Spotify on the pod. I still can't hear you over all the flexing. But, <laughs> but Airbnb, you know, Brian said he would come on the pod. Well, so, we've done episodes he? on all three of those companies, so. I, but I, you know, I had Toby on. He's going to come on again. Mm, this is a really hard one for me. I got to pick Spotify, locking in Spotify, because that makes it really easy for me. I have to lock in Spotify. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Shopify. Shopify. <laughs> <I> completely <laughs> different. <laughs> They're very similar. Uh, I, I heard you say you were locking it in. I saw your reactions and then I changed it. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> so unfair. It's oh, like going like, you, I fold. I mean, you I, are I a call. poker player. I call, You're I trying fold. to. I, I'm all in. I, call, I fold. I call. <laughs> you want to okay. know our hands. I got to go with Shopify because it's the biggest and it, it's e-commerce is just still in the second inning, right? We're, we're so early. So then it just leaves me with Airbnb and Spotify. And I'm going to do a coin toss here. God, it's so hard for me. Take the two fives. Well, here's the thing. I am an audiophile. So I, my personal interest is with Spotify, but on a business level, I think Airbnb is a bigger opportunity. It's a fantastic business product. Very hard for me. I'm going to go Airbnb. I'm going. Okay. So you, yeah. wait, you're not going Airbnb. You're going Brian Chesky as your great capital allocator. I'm going Brian Chesky. Correct. I think what Brian has built has been pretty incredible. Now you might think he's a one trick pony. He did one thing, but I think both of these are, this is the futures board, right? This is the futures board. Both of those folks have raised a ton of money and they've created a ton of value. They both created over a hundred billion dollars of value in 10 years. Spotify has created whatever 60 70. So I think it's legit. I, I struggled over this decision. Ben, you're up. I just watched you not pick Patrick Collison. And I'm just wondering, like, what was the matter with like, did you not see him on there? Or like, Patrick is there Collison's some kind there? of and, and I think was that correct that you picked Brian Chesky as someone that you would rather park into a business to allocate capital than than Patrick Collison? Listen, they're both tremendous. I, I just think there is some <laughs> magic about what Brian built with Airbnb. I, I'm not saying there's not magic. This is a really hard decision. I mean, we're talking about Michael Jordan and Bird and just incredible players. It, this is obviously an imperfect process. And I'm willing to go imperfect because I do think Airbnb will be a trillion dollar company. Ooh, that's a take right there. Wow. I, I just don't, I think Airbnb is just getting started. I'll be totally honest. You I think, think Airbnb so much is going to be a trillion dollar company before Stripe will? I think it'll be a horse race between all three of those choices. Uh, all right, Spotify, we should we should make a long bet Toby, on this. Toby, Patrick, and Brian. I think those are all you know, and and you know if Travis was here, I obviously would have picked him for Uber, but he's not here, so it's kind of hard. Okay, but you're picking Patrick. That's a, that's a really good choice. Hundred percent. I think you, you could you could write in Travis if you think he's got another act. Oh, I could. You're right. Actually, can I do that? That's an easy one for me. I would put Travis in instead of Brian. Can I change it or no? It is your show, but you heard me be critical of your pick, and now you're trying to walk this one back too. You think I'm trying to walk back Brian? <laughs> I, th- I think it's fair. <laughs> I think you. I think you can. Well, because it's like you know, Travis controversial pick, right? Like, there's not. I, I wanted to pick a ca- controversial one, and I, it, you, for Shopify is the easy one. If you were to pick Travis, is the justification what he's his body of work thus far? Or well, his future potential. It's both. I mean, you have Uber at over a hundred billion right now, and you have Cloud Kitchens at six billion. Hmm. Are do you still hold Uber stock? 
Yes, I still own, yes, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically speaking, I probably shouldn't own this much as a percentage of my net worth, but I still believe in the company. I mean, it's it's so obvious that it's an anti-fragile company now. Hmm. If you If you stay home, they win. If you go out, they win. <laughs> yeah. So just theoretically, and then this whole idea that like Bezos is leaving Amazon, but then there's all these stores that are reopening. And now they're doing this idea that every store's inventory is on Uber Eats and Postmates. So if I oh, want so wine. I'll take this bet all day. I, th this whole thing that like Uber Eats and DoorDash are both diversifying out of food and into effectively competing with Amazon's Prime Now offering. I'll take Amazon all day. I think there is. I mean, obviously, Amazon is just great at what they do. But last mile. I don't know, man. The, the, you got to think of the size of the network and then think, Ben, <clears throat> about all the local stores trying to compete with Amazon saying, I'm just gonna put my inventory on these things. And it's just a very lightweight model like Spotify's. I'm sorry, like Shopify's, where Shopify is benefiting from all this creativity out there. And then they become the platform. Uber Eats or an Uber delivery as the platform and then anybody's store. So if there's a store that sells pencils and stationery, they're on there and you can get it within an hour. If I want to order stationery and I need it tonight, am I going to wait for two days on Amazon or one day or just go on Uber? I might use Uber for some things. So. All right. All right. So are you first. switching your All pick? Right. Or are you? I'm switching Brian to TK if you guys will allow it. We'll, we'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. I think, right. I think we all, That's we easy all know for me. And your no mouth Rushmore has these caveats no. all over it, but we're allowing it, huh. you know, uh. we just know it's None like the 94 baseball season. Travis anyway, so all I'm doing <laughs> is putting Brian back in the pool for David, which I think maybe Ben, you're scared that that gives David an edge because he's going to take it now. Because I think Dave was trying to talk no. me into putting TK on there so that he could take no. Brian. Yes, I, I am very sure that David was trying to pick uh, Brian uh, Justin I think this David time. is trying. I think da I, I'm going to predict David's pick. I think he's picking Ooh, Whitney. What do you think? I think you're picking Whitney. You seemed a little enamored, I'll be honest. Of uh, who, who am I picking? Whitney from Bumble. Whitney. Oh, uh, no, I don't know enough about the dating Got business. Okay. Having so then met my wife when I was tribe. 21 years old before any of this. Yeah. You going with Eric and Zoom? I can't, uh, can't figure you out. Bingo. Okay. Eric and Zoom. Uh, Why? Lots of reasons. Um, let's just take specific to Eric. Uh, he's, I believe... Don't quote me on this because I might be wrong, but I believe he's the number one Glassdoor CEO, highly ranked leader uh, in the oh, world. That is why he put that thing in the grading oh, criteria because he, he knew that so he that had he could a shoe in it. for it. What? A hey, don't let I'm the only person who make the rules. Great. You let me make the rules. Like, oh, yeah. And suicide queens are now wild because I have one. Okay, <laughs> great. The suicide it's like, queens are like wild. competing you got in it. this. Okay. This competition has Ben Gilbert, it has David Rosenthal asterisk, and Jason Calacanis asterisk. I mean, but like, who knows who's going to win? I think oh. most people would argue my pick of Travis diminishes my Mount Rushmore because people were not fun. No, I like it. You're taking risk. You're, you're thinking right. long term. Well, let's recap here. Wait, 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 wait one more. One more I, I want to put a word in for, my, for, for Eric, of course. He's created yes. Zoom. The most like existential product of the past year. But even before that, he was number one ranked CEO for years before that uh, running. I think he's a very, very good capital allocator. Zoom I consumed like something ridiculous, like a million, $2 million of venture capital. They raised more than that, but they didn't consume any of it on route to a hugely free cash flow positive IPO. But then the, um, the biggest thing is I think this rounds out my portfolio. If you look at my portfolio, we got capital allocation covered. 
Bezos, what more can you say? Chamath, I got all the upside that Chamath got for the rest of his career on capital allocation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then I've got good for good for the world and a great leader, Andy Grove. I mean, he wrote the book for Silicon Valley. Like Andy Grove isn't as magnanimous as he was. An incredible story. Immigrant from Hungary survived the I respect Holocaust. Your choices. I respect your choices. And then I've got a the leader. Did we know David was here building a portfolio. I'm building a portfolio because we're going to get ranked on our portfolio. Pretty good. Ben, you want to recap yours? Yeah. So my first pick was Pony Ma uh, from Tencent and then uh, Bill Gates. Hmm legendary CEO of Microsoft and the co-founder of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, yeah, the greatest charity known yeah. to mankind. What was my next? Oh, Kat- Katrina Lake from Stitch Fix. And then we rounded it out with Patrick Collison. Uh, both of those last picks unbelievably slipped through and were available for me. Amazing. And I had obviously Elon and Jobs, the two greatest creators, I think, of our generation. Toby with Shopify, kind of a dark horse there in terms of Canadian. People don't even understand what that business is or know the name Shopify, even though they use it all the time. That was a super good one you swapped in. Yeah. And then I swapped in TK. And I, I, you know, people don't understand how well Cloud Kitchens is doing because they literally do zero press. There, You cannot find a story about Travis. Uh, (laughs) You can find one about his apartment in Manhattan being used for a party during COVID, which he wasn't at. (laughs) Uh, And somebody had people over and somebody narked or dropped a dime on them for having 10 people in a room. But other than that, He's pretty quiet, right? No press is his new rule. He will not talk to the press, just like many other people are not talking to the press these days because they see it as downside, not upside. And he's just staying focused. And man, I think when the numbers for Cloud Kitchens come out, I'll make a prediction right here. I think Cloud Kitchens and Uber, I think they're going to merge. And I think TK becomes back and Uber and Cloud Kitchens becomes one I was going to ask if you, if you think. I mean, no you took jobs with your number one pick. Do you think we're... That's where we're headed. Yeah, I think it's going to be a job situation. I think, you know, it's, it's would be if Uber sees Uber Eats as like a big part of this and there's this giant footprint of real estate that are cloud kitchens right now owned by Travis. I don't know that this, um, who's the guy, Mr. Beast or whatever, doing the burgers. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, that thing seemed to, I don't know how they did that. And I don't know that cloud kitchens did it or how they did it. But it felt Cloud Kitchens-esque in its ability to roll out. So he found people who were running burger joints to do his recipe and ship them. Is that how it worked? I don't think they were running burger joints. I think it was was stood up in these ghost kitchens. So he basically, I'm guessing, did this with Cloud Kitchens. I don't know that. Overnight national rollout, the brand. It's so interesting. It's like you plugging in a food stack to an influencer. You know, it's like he already had the audience and he just plugged in an ordering system, which is all digital, plus the infrastructure for the food, which existed in a ghost kitchen. I don't know if it was exactly cloud kitchens, but um, I mean, what if brilliant. a rapper comes out and, you know, if Jay-Z or Beyonce, Jay-Z and Beyonce say, hey, this is our favorite recipe for X. This is our favorite brisket. This is our favorite whatever. And, and they make their sandwich and it's the Beyonce and Jay-Z burger, or, you know, or pizza, whatever it is that they love from Italy. Oh my Lord. You know, and then it's so about, I mean, celebrity chefs. I mean, I mean, just think of them as distribution. David Chang's, why is he starting restaurants when he could just start David Chang's short uh, rib? We're, we're talking about it. It's, it's AWS for the real world. I mean, my, uh, my so brother-in-law weird. works what for a great virtual kitchen company, which is a slightly, it's a slightly different model. They're doing, they're not in the 
exact same space as cloud kitchens, despite also having come out of Uber. But um, this space is so strategic and like even before coronavirus, but post coronavirus world, like this is, um, we are only just scratching the surface of the innovation to come. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at what happened with milk delivery back in the day where milk was just dropped off every day, the idea that you would go get your milk or your ice, like it was dropped off, it was easier. And then if you go to Korea, Jajim Young or other noodles or whatever get dropped off, and there's just somebody who does a run bento boxes in Japan, I think we're kind of catching up in America that food delivery at scale can be a thing, right? And and it can work really well. It's just we happen to have a, a country that is more spread out. Uh, in some cases. All right, this has been amazing. Uh, of course, mine, Jobs, Elon, Toby, TK. I think I got a, a shot at winning here, but honestly, I was off to a strong start and I'm not sure. I think you guys may have caught up a little bit. It's your choice, everybody. Go to our Twitter handles and uh, we'll be running polls and seeing who wins. All right, everybody, we'll see you next time. Go sign up for acquired.fm, write a nice review, give them a hundy for their special acquired FM <laughs> LP show. You don't need to give us a hundy. The, the main show's free. And I'll give a quick plug. If you're uh, an all-in listener, which you should be because it's excellent. I don't know why Jason isn't talking about it more. It's an awesome podcast. He just did a great podcast uh, that that really dove into like, what is the media's role in society today and how are tech platforms transforming the role of journalism? And I, I was actually listening to that the day after David and I recorded our three hour history of the New York Times that, that we just dropped on Acquired, like unbelievably good compliment. So really fun oh, to like hear those episodes. Both I did that with back. the Times of London. <laughs> <laughs> the original Times. Yes, the Times of London. All right, we'll see you all next time. Bye bye. Great job, boys. <laughs>